0: Dr. Grace Hammond, medievalist, writer, podcaster, and very big fan of Christmas music, which is the inspiration for this new Advent series. Before I get into it, just a few reminders that I normally put at the end of each episode, Uh, but this series is structured around music and it's going to end with music. So these reminders are a little awkward if you're trying to get into a meditative mode. So I'm going to put them here at the beginning of this episode. (laughs) I'd love to remind you that I enjoy hearing from you. So please let me know what you thought about this episode or series or any questions that you have. If you'd like, you can follow me on Instagram at oldbookswithgrace or on Twitter at gracehammondphd. If you enjoyed this episode, Share it with a friend, subscribe, or if you could, rate it on iTunes, because doing these things helps others to find this podcast, and it helps me out too. The text of this episode, if you're a visual person like myself, is available at oldbookswithgrace.com. Let's begin with a story. My great-grandmother, G-Ma, had a mental decline towards the end of her life. She had forgotten almost everything, and she lived in an assisted care facility. My family was planning on visiting her in Truth or Consequences. Yes, that is the real name of the town, New Mexico. I was in high school, and I dreaded it. It was so awkward. She surely would not remember us, and remember, I was 16-ish, so I was quite uncomfortable with emotion and with the closeness of death. My mother is an idea woman. She comes up with ideas and boldly tries them, often to great success, sometimes to her detriment, but really mostly success. Her win-loss ratio is very good. But her idea when we visited Jima was to sing to her. She had heard that music memories are stored in a different part of the brain, and that even when language had been lost to the ravages of Alzheimer's, Sometimes singing could unlock memories of words and song. I don't think any of us, especially the teenage contingent, which included my sister and myself, wanted to sing in a random nursing home when we thought that G-Ma wouldn't even respond, let alone know who we were. But something beautiful and strange happened that day in Truth or Consequences – In a sterile, beige-colored room set aside for visitors, my family fumblingly began to sing How Great Thou Art a cappella. And G-Ma, though she hadn't been able to speak and certainly didn't recognize us, in her tiny, quavering voice began to sing with us. It was an unforeseen, mysterious moment of communion, beyond the bodily ravages of illness and time beyond the ugliness of a rural nursing home in New Mexico, beyond language and reason facilitated through song. This podcast inclines towards the intellectual, towards words and stories and critical thinking about their forms and meanings. That's how I naturally operate, and of course, I won't entirely abandon it. For any Enneagram nerds out there, I'm a five. But Advent is mysterious. Like in the liturgy itself, time unravels. Though Jesus came as a baby 2,000 years ago, in Advent we wait for him again. Though we are redeemed in his precious body already, we call out for the redemption of our time, of our current bodies and places and spaces and beloved friends and family. Music can help us move beyond time and intellect's limited grasp towards something of this mystery. When you sing, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, which is our song for today, you lift your voice along 1,200 years of Christians welcoming the incarnate God, the tiny baby, the savior of the world. I can hardly think of anything so tangible other than, of course, the sacraments that connects us to this great cloud of witnesses, our ancestors, as singing these songs of the past. So this Advent series focuses on Christmas and Advent carols one at a time to soak in this big picture. Another funny thing about this series is that I really want to embrace the music aspect as My story about Gma illustrates music accesses different parts of us than mere speech does. Thankfully, these songs are so old, they're in the public domain. But I can't play a professional singing them because this podcast doesn't make any money. Uh, P.S. If you'd ever like to advertise with me, hit me up. (laughs) Some of these episodes, I'll sing the songs. Others, my friend Carrie sings with me and some, my dad accompanies on the guitar. So, I'm really thankful for their help in these um, episodes. But of course, if you'd like to hear real singers singing these songs, I've made a Spotify playlist for you. It's called Old Books with Grace, Advent, and Christmas, and it's like a little early Christmas present. I hope you enjoy it. Go and check it out. So, as I said, our song for today is one of my favorites Oh Come, Oh Come, Emmanuel. I love it partially because it is so ancient. Like so many of our songs, it was first crafted by monks all the way back in the 8th century. In the liturgical order, right before Christmas Eve, they chanted something called the O-antiphons, or the Great O's. This was a list of addresses to Jesus by different names in the Old Testament, and it was very popular in early and late medieval poetry and song. I'll say the Latin first, forgive my... Less than stellar Latin. And then the English translation. O Sapientia, O Wisdom. O Adonai, Hebrew word for God, the giver of the law. O Radix Jesse, root or branch of Jesse in the lineage of Jesus. O Clavis David, Key of David. O Oriens, Morning Star or Day Star. O Rex Gentium, King of the Gentiles, and O Emmanuel, and we all can recognize that one from Isaiah's prophecies. This list makes me smile because there's something secret about it that gives us insight into the medieval character, these folks of the past who loved puzzles and allegory and layer and layer of meaning more than just about anything. Do you remember acrostic poems? Those dreadful poems you'd write for your mom on Mother's Day in elementary school that spelled out her name with the initial letter of each line? Well, these original Latin verses of O Emanuel O Come, Emmanuel create a reverse acrostic poem in Latin. erocras, which translates to I shall be with you tomorrow. So the song was often sung on December 23rd, the night before Christmas Eve, to fulfill Christ's promise in the acrostic. So it's sort of an inside joke with Jesus and his nicknames in this hymn, which is so charming. Obviously, this song would have sounded very different than the version we sing today. So how did it become this familiar tune we know and love? In the 19th century, the Victorians got very into all things medieval. A man named J.M. Neal in 1851 translated a 13th century metrical version, that is uh, a poetry version, into English and then set it to music. From the sound of it, he was rather a disorganized man. And he didn't uh, cite his source, what the source of the tune that he set it to was. So for a while... No one knew where this haunting, lovely melody that so fits these waiting, yearning themes of Advent um, came from, that same tune that we sing today. But in the 20th century, a woman with two of the most amazing name associations discovered its origin. Mother Thomas More, birth name Dr. Mary Berry, in a fabulous martyrdom, Great British Bake Off name collision found its source, a 15th-century processional for French nuns. So let's take this in for a sec. When we sing this song as it is today, we sing in Victorian English to a Renaissance melody for nuns, ancient Hebrew words with origins in the deep distant past of the Old Testament, first strung together by Latin monks in the Dark Ages, set to poetry by someone unknown in the Middle Ages. It's a song that embodies the history of the Western church. When my six-year-old sings it with Sufjan Stevens in the back seat of our car, she joins in with the unknown voices of ages. How beautiful, big, and transcendent is the body of Christ. So let's listen together and consider the words as you listen.
1: Oh come, O oh, come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel. O come, Adonai, Lord of might, who to thy tribes on Sinai's height in ancient times did
0: Stood out to you upon this listening. I've recently responded most strongly to the idea of Jesus' dayspring. Sometimes it seems like my people and my nation are captive to an implacable, devouring darkness. Often it seems like hate captures imaginations more than love, or like tearing something down is easier than constructing something beautiful. Pride, fear, injustice, and refusal to acknowledge one another as full people dominates the public arena. On a personal note, I struggle with insomnia and anxiety, and at times it seems like the literal night will never end. But to name Jesus as the day spring is an act of hope that one day this present darkness will disintegrate in the light of dawn, and all motives and actions, ugly and beautiful, will be laid bare and exposed for what they are. It reminds me of the ending of C.S. Lewis's Screwtape Letters, where the main character, the human, who has been tempted throughout the novel, dies in an air raid during World War II, and he suddenly sees everything in his life illuminated like the dawn. His rights and wrongs, his good and bad loves, his lies and the ways he's been lied to, the beauties and joys of his life. But the other titles, too, all illustrate a hope for what Jesus came to set right. Emmanuel, God with us, he redeems our bodies, and our bodies matter. They're not merely our flesh trap while we wait for eternity. Rod of Jesse, this could also be root or branch of Jesse. But to describe him as a rod reflects both rootedness and the absolute justice of God. The rod of Jesse beats off the thief of life the key of David opens heaven and fully realized communion with God and his saints while locking the misery of sin away. And finally, Adonai, the lawgiver, fulfills the law of love. All of Christ's titles reflect an active reality, not an abstract passive hope for the next life. They are the fulfillment of thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven which reminds us that this life is not just a veil of tears and oppression, but a place where we are privileged to work the love of the incarnate God. This song marries our future promise of heaven and the real end of misery to our concrete, present acts of love and justice as Christ's pierced hands and feet in the world. There's a real tension there that defies easy boundaries and simple answers. Sometimes you'll be active in the work of love, and it will feel good and come easily with rejoicing. Sometimes you will cry out in the pain of the laboring world and all its hatred. I'm going to ask you some questions to meditate on um, and play the song one last time so that you can think about it. I'm also going to give you a practice for this week of Advent. Feel free to participate or not participate. For some folks, um, (laughs) more is more, and um, adding to what is already a busy season feels like too much, and for others, it might be an invitation into something beautiful. I promise that they are also really easy, because I couldn't do them if they were elaborate. (laughs) So O'Come asks us a serious question, even as it yearningly praises our Savior. As we wait for the day spring, who are you loving this week? with words or deeds or both? Is it just those easy for you to love, those like you or those you already like? Where are you doing your tiny part to make way for the justice of the kingdom? On the flip side of that coin, where have you taken burdens upon yourself that don't belong to you, that instead rest with Adonai, the key of David, the rod of Jesse, Emmanuel, and require you to wait In stillness and silence. The Advent action for this week is to carve out a space for yourself in expectant solitude, away from holiday busyness and bustle, to meditate upon these questions. Pray to each title of Jesus and O come, and see if one particularly speaks to you at the moment and what that might mean to you. If you'd like to soak in some poetry about these names of Jesus, the O Antiphons, the poet Malcolm Geit has a beautiful series with both poetry and commentary to check out. And the link to that is on oldbookswithgrace.com. Um, and it's, it's at malcolmgeit.wordpress.com Advent Antiphons. So you can Google search that and I'm sure it would come up right away. So go on a walk on your lunch break, even if it's cold, take a bath Play quiet music in your room while hiding from your children. <laughs> Carve out that space where you can meditate on these questions. And do not be afraid. He tells us in this song, Ero cras," promising his presence with us. I will be with you. Thanks for listening.
1: Oh, come, oh, come. Thanks for listening to Old Books with Grace.
0: I hope you guys um, found today's lecture and conversation with Victoria's interesting and enlightening and um, and peace bringing as I did. Um, it would be great if you enjoyed this conversation. If you could rate the podcast or subscribe, I really appreciate it, and it helps other people find Old Books with Grace. You could also follow me on Instagram or Twitter. My Instagram handle is at oldbookswithgrace, and my Twitter is gracehammondphd, and I would love to hear your thoughts and get to know you on through those venues. Thanks again for listening, and next week will be a Thanksgiving break, and then the week after that, we'll start a new series on Advent and
1: Christmas carols, so I'm excited for that. Thanks.